David A. Price presents... Hello folks, welcome to Marvel Noise episode 405. I'm your host, Steve Raker, who enjoyed ringing in the new year so thoroughly that it's taken me a few weeks to get back to facing front. But here I am. The rest of the Wrecking Crew, WWX, Kevin, and Andrew the LA Rabbit will join me in a few, but uh, I'm stuck being the warm-up act. Marvel Noise is the semi-monthly podcast proudly sponsored by Nobody. Our scope is all things Marvel with a particular fondness for and fascination with the Bronze Age. You can find, listen to, stream, and download episodes past and present over on marvelnoise.com. There's that handy little calendar-style drop-down menu on the right-hand side that lets you easily navigate past months and years. You can get new episode announcements and give us feedback. See images and cover galleries over on our Facebook and Twitter pages and find other fine podcasts from the fine folks at the Deliberate Noise Network, including Indie Comic Book Noise, which is our sister show where Andrew, Kevin, and company, sometimes myself included, but more often Phil, even better when we're both together, but that's where we talk indie comics. What gave it away? Now, I've taken the opportunity of a new year and new beginnings and resolutions and all that to finally hit some series that I've been meaning to. And I'm going to start with Silver Age solo Submariner stories. I've read scattered issues here and there, particularly around issue 50 of his solo series when... Submariner creator Bill Everett came back to the book and his character, but it's that late age of his career Bill Everett stuff where he was really delineating. I mean, he really had become a fine artist, had kicked the alcoholism, and unfortunately would only have a few years to uh, really show off his more modern style, even though now it seems like such classic silver age stuff but this mission of mine self-imposed led me to start with the tales to astonish title classic title in the annals of marvel's history running for 101 issues from the fall of 1958 all the way to the beginning of 1968 Nine and a half years in total. The first 34 issues from fall of 1958 to the summer of 1962 it was a four-year span, even though it was 34 issues because it was originally a bi-monthly title. The stories were all those monster, suspense, science fiction, O. Henry-type tales that we expect from Tales to Astonish and Tales of Suspense and Strange Tales and all those tales, right? Issues 35 to 69 in the summer of 1962 to the spring of 65 featured Ant-Man or Giant-Man and the Wasp. And from issues 60 to 69, 
the last year of that run, they became a split book with the Hulk, which would continue on from issues 70 to 101, the last two and a half years of the title being a split book between the Hulk and the Submariner, each getting a 12-page installment. I read the first two Submariner arcs so far, which ran from Tales to Astonish issues 70 to 80, from the summer of 65 to eh, kind of the end of winter of 66, almost into spring. They were all written by Stan Lee with pencils by Gene Colan, but he was working under the Adam Austin pseudonym at the time. No one was sure whether it was cool to use, you know, your name if you were working for both Marvel and DC. Unless you were Neil Adams, maybe. And the inks on issues 70 to 78 were by Vinnie Coletta. Sigh. Those feathery, thin lines of his just don't reproduce well, even digitally. But issue 79 was inked by the Submariner creator Wild Bill Everett which was really cool, and he's one of the guys who I've often said, although only saw examples of it on a few different occasions, this being one of them, he's one of the guys who could ink colon. And issue 80 was inked by Dazzlin' Dick Ayers. Issue 70, Namor is fresh off his appearance in Daredevil number 7, the whole Wallywood Daredevil, you know, beating Daredevil, but not being able to beat his spirit, right? And... I was delighted to realize that this first story arc begins the material that was adapted on the Marvel superhero Submariner cartoons in the 60s. Stronger than a whale, he can swim anywhere. He can breathe underwater and go flying through the air. The neighbor of Atlantis is the prince of the deep. Namor returns to Atlantis to find the warlord Krang in charge of his palace, the whole place. He's greeted by the Lady Dorma, his, I guess, love interest historically, but here he just sidesteps her with little affection. This ticks her off because she's the one with the affection at this point, and she mistakenly thinks that it'll drive him to her if Namor is stripped of his princedom. So she calls the palace guard and has him arrested. Krang throws him into the Atlantean dungeons, where he then has to rely on Lady Dorma to secure the key to his cell and rescue him. So I guess her plan kind of did work. He needed her when things went sideways. Then Namor's off on a quest to find the lost trident of Neptune, a sort of undersea Excalibur that'll identify its wielder as the undisputed Lord of Atlantis, which he is. Trouble is, the clues are all hidden around the ocean floor. And there's danger, Will Robinson. The first target is a shell with Neptune's mark in a cave, guarded by a giant killer squid thing. Namor punches it out and retrieves the shell, but find his exit has been blocked by debris. Krang! He's left trapped in the cave with the giant killer squid as the first installment ends. All that in 12 pages, and believe me, I left a lot of deets out. Colin's work is, at this time, very non-Colin-esque 
inked by Coletta, right? Those light, feathery lines. It results in a lot of gorky, distorted anatomy and areas filled in and then colored to be like flesh when it wouldn't have been and wasn't intended to be. And ah, Colin does slow some transition scenes down by adding just underwater coolness like other residents of the deep or in this issue, Namor swimming through the eye of some sunken Mayan statue of some kind. In issue 71, Namor uses the shell with the marking as a projectile to slay the beast, then spins his body like a drill and quite literally bores his way out of the cave. Warlord Krang, well, now Emperor Krang, is shown to be overtaxing the Atlanteans and also planning for an invasion of the surface world. And he's also trying to stop Namor in his quest. Because with Namor dead, he can force the Lady Dorma to marry him and be his queen. That'll be perfect. Just what Krang is looking for. Namor's second target lies in the hidden deeps with a giant talking bog man made of seaweed as its protector. In issue 72, Namor delays the seaweed creature with a judo throw and then creating a whirlpool around him to trap him in place. That challenge overcome, he learns his next target lies within the Diamonds of Doom on the fringe of his realm, well, former realm. Meanwhile, the Lady Dorma won't marry Krang, so he publicly banishes her to the subterranean world of the Faceless Ones. And she'd rather be put to death. Not the Faceless Ones. Namor reaches the Diamonds of Doom. They're so radiant that they turn the sea into a kaleidoscope of light. It's psychedelic and unbearable. Kind of like the Mole Man's Diamond Fields from Fantastic Four number one. In issue 73, the guardian of the diamond fields is shown to be an Atlantean blue sword-wielding demon of diamonds. Namor bests him and learns of Lady Dorma being exiled to the Faceless One, so he rushes to her aid. You know, the rest of the quest be damned. Meanwhile, Krang is repelling and manages to repel most of a coup d'etat, but some reach his safe room, where he's got all these, like, controls and stuff, and he closes the door on them and, you know, pushes the last fingers out and all that business, so he's sealed up in there, but he's got everything he needs to control everything. Issue 74 has Namor reaching Lady Dorma and fighting off these toad-fish-like faceless ones that are indeed faceless. Krang is making life even more miserable from his safe room, crushing the spirit of the Atlanteans as well as the Rebellion. He even sends his robot-piloted murder tank against the crowds gathered in the square, just like people running them over, chopping them up, shooting them down. In issue 75, just as Namor and Lady Dorma are to be overtaken by the Nameless Ones, Namor thinks... What's this feeling? Turns out he loves Lady Dorma after all. Just then the advance of the beasts stop and Neptune talks through them, which is really creepy, and presents him with the trident. 
He's passed the test and found the prize by not seeking it and listening to his heart. Which is, you know, always a good Grail Quest strategy. Namor races back to Atlantis and storms its gates while carrying the injured, unconscious Dorma. He's got to get her to this super convenient revitalizer ray. Oh, and he has to fight off that murder bus thing, too. (laughs) Namor has Krang flushed out of hiding by the start of Tales to Astonish 76, and Krang's confidence in the defensive rating of his armor lasts momentarily because Namor starts beating the snot out of him, naming crime after crime and just serving up the punishment. Namor then gets Dorma set up on the Revitalizer Ray's table, and he bathes her in its rays, but it takes him cranking it up to full power to do the trick. Such drama. And as such, Namor is restored as Liberator and Monarch. Now, there's also been this other bit of an old Atlantean senior citizen who, I mean, he's physically limited, but he braved the wild seas outside Atlantis on two occasions to reach Namor, once to give him a pep talk when he was on his quest and kind of let him know that the people were with him, and the second time to alert him that Krang had abducted Lady Dorma and sent her to Nameless One land. And in a grand throne room scene that's loaded with self-proclaimed pomp and pageantry, Lady Dorma is called to Namor's side, as is this elderly Atlantean. His name is Vashti. And the two are proclaimed Namor's royal advisors. Krang? He gets exiled. In his armor. Cape included. I mean, how dare he usurp the throne while Namor spent too much time on the surface world? But as 76 ends, Namor decides, hey, I've been king again for like five minutes, so you know what? It's time for me to inform the royal council, as law you know, states that I must, that I have to go back up to the surface world. I kid you not. In the second Namor arc in Tales to Astonish that ran in these 12-page installments over four issues were in issues 77 to 80 taking the title through March 1966. Uh, Yes, he goes back to the surface world. And, I mean, it goes sideways the second he does. But there is a reason. There are these earthquakes that are rattling Atlantis, caused by surface world mining and probably industrial activity, knowing those surface worlders. And one big risk of these earthquakes is the possibility of the behemoth awakening and getting free. Who is the behemoth, you ask? It's this goofy fish-humanoid monster thing created by Atlantean scientists as a last-resort weapon against catastrophe. He's hidden and buried, but if awakened, I mean, he'd be the catastrophe himself. Which, I mean, not much forethought there, Atlantean scientists. Namor finds the source of the damage that's causing these earthquakes. It's this giant mining drill. And he boards the surface station that it's attached to, and it's an experiment run by Hank Pym, who used to star in this book. 
And he's not at all sympathetic when Namor complains, but some grunt fires a shot and, uh, you know, a uh, tank explodes and then it's, it's this chaotic red alert situation. Mayday, mayday. But somehow a very oddly depicted puppet master. I mean, he's got a costume and everything. It's a little puppet symbol. But he's like tuned into all the, you know, police and and apparently military uh, broadcast frequencies because he hears the mayday. And by getting wind of Namor's return to the surface, he makes a puppet of him to control. And once he's got him, Namor splits the scene really robotically, too. And he has Namor go to New York and rob a bank, which, of course, draws attention. And the army is sent to confront Namor, who gets clipped by a bullet, but escapes by throwing like a billboard down on the army from the roof of the bank. Meanwhile, Lady Dorma gets sent by Vashti to find Namor and alert him that, yep, the behemoth is awake and he's already causing widespread destruction in the outer lands. But if he should reach Atlantis, you know. So Dorma finds him like right at the time when he needs her to, nurses him to health and helps free him of the puppet master's control even, which really frosts the puppet master's brow. And also Krang has been monitoring all of this you know, from all these resources he's got in exile. And he goes to the puppet master and has him make a puppet of the behemoth. So that when Namor confronts it next issue, in issue 80, it's going to be Krang that's controlling it. And sure enough, in Tales to Astonish 80, Namor fights the behemoth and he tells Lady Dor- Dorma to flee. Get out of here while you can. But th- it's this thing is too powerful for Namor. So he's got to think a little bit outside the box and succeeds by trapping the behemoth in undersea quicksand. I'm not sure how that works, but whatever. It's the quagmire of doom or something, so there. Now Krang is totally screwed, right? He controls the behemoth with his puppet, but the thing is trapped under the quicksand. So now what, right? But Lady Dorma doesn't know that Namor has succeeded. So he abducts her again and pledges to destroy the puppet, thereby saving Namor's life, if she'll vow to wed him. And she acquiesces. So he leaves with her to go elope, and Namor's like, wait, what? But I beat... I won. Something tells me that when this has time to sink in, he's going to be pissed. I'm looking forward to reading and sharing what comes next, but that'll be another day, another episode. For now, I am turning the mic over to Andrew, who is patiently sitting in the green room with Kevin, awaiting the go sign. Here it is. Imperious Rex! And as night dissolves into morning... Hey, buddy, there's a law about sleeping on the beach... Come on, on your feet. Surprise, Marvel Noise listeners. We're bringing it back. What are we bringing back, you ask? We're bringing back our extensive New Warriors coverage. Yay! By we, of course, I mean me, Andrew the LA Rabbit, up north in the icebox, WWX Kev, say hi, Kev. 
Hello, everyone. And the maestro of ceremonies from the comic book bunker, Gamma Radiated Steve. Say hi, Steve. It seemed like we had such a good jumping off point. Like we, we you know, did the, it, it, we've been doing this for years. We did all the Fabian Nicienza written books. It was like the end of the year. It was episode 400. It was like a new Marvel noise. And uh, here we are again. Boy, boy, you didn't know what we roped you in for, did you? Just when you thought it was safe to check your emails and see what we're going to read next. You should have checked the uh, fine print for your last contract. Some of us bought these things, Steve, so we're definitely <laughs> doing these segments. I <laughs> I had bought two of the, these six books back in the day, and when I opened them up, like, from the comic bag, like, I haven't opened them up since, what, 1993 or whatever, when these, 1994 when these books came out, and um, I think I ha- almost had, like, a little bit of a... Um, like a mechanical drawing uh, in the blueprint room experience because the fumes that came out of the book when Ooh. I like opened them up, the pages that, you know, this is a funky time in printing too when it's like they're still trying to use some newsprint but they're laying so much heavy ink on it and the black isn't really black and man, it really stinks. And uh, I mean literally. Yeah. Well, we started this journey way back in 2019. Wow. So we're pushing along. This will be our 19th year segment of, <laughs> of the New Warriors. <laughs> well, I don't think we'll reach the same number of Thunderbolt segments, but. No, no. It, it's this, for those of you not aware of this segment, basically we started with the New Warriors number one way back. Well, we started with Thor 411 and 412 and New Warriors number one. And have been covering the main series, the annuals, some of the tie-ins. But as the series progresses, the original series went 75 issues, four annuals. As the series progresses and Marvel's 90s tricks happen, they started sort of pushing more and more ancillary-related titles. We we did stick with Night Thrasher a little bit, his limited, mm-hmm. but he got a sister series Nova got a sister series. Justice had a limited series. Some of these we are not really covering. Maybe <laughs> at some future point we'll go back, but there just hasn't been the enthusiasm. I also feel that recently these have a real quarter bin issue feel to me, but I'm not, because I'm getting them on a expedited schedule, I am not paying quarter bin prices. I've paid over, I've paid two to three dollars for some of these floppies so you know did I'm you a little see frosty the statement you're a martyr like the, what Andrew? is it called the statement of ownership or whatever where it shows how much these these books are selling remember they More used to do some that? books nowadays now they don't want you to know that information yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so as we um our last segment we had wrapped up uh annual four we talked about the Justice uh, Limited series. New Warriors 53 were kind of at the transition point, as is tr- um, we're on the floppies now. It's been so funny. We've done this series for so long. Marvel has actually released the Omnibus Volume 2, which actually covers most of the material up to our last episode. There aren't a ton of 
digi comics in this yet going forward. Like these ones were all floppy, but there are going to be some. They're going to fold the new warriors into the Spidey family. So some of those issues yeah. will be on the unlimited already. I'm guessing they're probably going to do a volume three of the omnibus. I which means they'll load all of them you up think at some so? point. Maybe, but maybe, maybe if they include the other seat, like it's funny because thinking of it in the big picture, they went off into all these ancillary series and then the main book didn't last another. Like when you just said it's only 75 issues, I'm thinking, oh, we're already in the mid 50. Like there's only another 20 issues to, you know, the, the main yeah. title suffered for the, you know, the, the branching. Oh, for sure. Plus Marvel's as we push on Marvel's having their own internal issues, oh, but yeah. <laughs> No, you know, obviously there's the infamous bankruptcy that happened that I don't know how much sidelined, but it was a, it's going to be, while we're going to all have our individual opinions about the merit of these issues, it's certainly an interesting (laughs) time. (laughs) And it's a time I'm unfamiliar with in general for Marvel. So I always appreciate these kind of, we go back as for me. For you guys, it's your lived-in experience. For me, I'm an archaeologist with my shovel and hourglass kind of spying and seeing what it was like. And it's interesting because it feels so stylized. So to go back and not having had that, you know, it's in Kevin's DNA, this stuff. So for him, he gets that nostalgia. What's the... I don't know if it's really nostalgia... Because some of the stuff I went back and I'm just like, I'm like I can't read this the way I used to read this. But some books are like, like, like when I went back and read like some Deadpool limited series, like I'm like hey, the courier is running around, and I'm like, I, I'm just like I can't, I don't have the feeling. I have the feeling for most of these books, which is good. No, but, no, that's nostalgia. It doesn't give you the same buzz, Kevin. It no, wears no. off and it wears off and you keep buying crap and the high <laughs> isn't quite the same as it used to be. Now, what's the that's what's the, the feeling you're trying to figure out what you saw in the series? A uh, little familiarity with yeah, a touch I, of I deja vu? <laughs> I, that's what I think. It's, it's kind of like a deja vu nostalgia thing, but it's some weird intersection of a bunch of different things right it's like i've heard this song before yeah but but then you're you're it's certain songs i can listen to and they sound as good as they did back then but then other songs it's like i've moved on or the song means something different now so it's kind of sometimes you get into like that area and you're just like i'm not that person anymore well the other thing that's interesting about this series, and this will be an excellent segue, you guys will be proud of me, is that it features a lot of characters that didn't get heavy exposure. I mean, they're still around, and Nova no. probably the biggest, but a lot of them, you know, they didn't go on to have long runs of their own series. Or anything. Which, which leads me to our regular segment, where Kevin tells us <laughs> who our current new warriors are. Kevin, who's on the team? For 54 to 59. We're set the table for the listeners. All right. Well, as, as usual, all the new warriors want to do is change the world. So who are our new warriors? Beast Boy. 
<laughs> There's no Beast Boy here. Oh, okay. No green Beast Boy. <laughs> so we have Speedball, Robbie, our bouncing bundle of joy. Crimera? Is that... This is one of those names, like, you never, ever heard someone say this name out loud, so you're just like, I don't know, they're Crimera, I guess. That's what I'm saying. Arnita. How about that? Namorita. Hybrid Atlantean. Oh, her I remember. <laughs> Firestar. Angelica. Our mutant master of radiation. Nova. Richard. Old Buckethead. The human rocket. Turbo. Mickey. Uh, she has a skin-tight battlesuit. Uh, Rage. Elvin. Our urban warrior. I find it weird they still call him the urban avenger. I'm like... Yeah, maybe that was funnier when he was an Avenger. Uh, Night Thrasher, Dwayne, better than Batman. Uh, Marvel <laughs> Boy, Vance, PK Fury. I would have just went Batman with a skateboard. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh, power Packs, four powers, or three powers in one. Uh, and Hindsight Lad, maybe? Yeah, it's a... Um... It's a large lineup. We old listeners will know. Well, listeners of old episodes, I don't want to cast comment on the age of our listeners. We'll know that we had seen the expansion of the team, but that's also to support, I think, the side Night Thrasher and Nova series. We're also well, in a bit of a creative switch. Yeah. As like Evan Skolnick's taking over writing, and we're going to have some Richard Pace, Bruce Patterson issues, and then. A long time uh, Thunderbolts. Yeah. And Patrick Zercher will be coming into pencil. Patrick oh, Zercher. Oh, that's so good. Who I follow on Mastodon, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I like how. Still trying to make that happen. One of the big criticisms of Marvel in the 90s was how everything was so editorial driven before the bubble burst. And these books happening in 94 and the end of 93 um, are before that bubble burst. And. When what happens when the co-creator of the team who wrote the first fifty-something issues leaves the title? Well, the one of the assistant editors decides to start writing the book. It's like it's really a time when there was such a um a porous membrane between the editorial and freelance writing staff. It's funny it didn't work that way with art, but. <laughs> the editors certainly did a lot of writing, whether it was Harris or DeFalco or Skolnick. Yeah, I, I didn't know they were an editor until I went through the bullpen Boltons and I said, yeah, he's editing. And I'm like, oh, really? You know, that editor thing, it seemed to work out so much better in the 80s, or at least from my recollection like digging through back issues and stuff. And then once you get to the 90s, it's like everything is just all that extra excess and all that 90s stuff comes up. And it's like everything's just just worse in all those scenarios. Families of titles, each one with their own editor-in-chief and all that. I mean, it's, it's madness. <laughs> well, once we get to issue 58... You'll see like all like the bullpen Boltons isn't really there, but they still have that page. And the only comics you're seeing that are coming out are the Spider-Man group of titles. Yep. And that's just foreshadowing of where we're going. 
So uh, 54 does have a nice pace Patterson cover with a chimera or Nita sort of cradling an injured Cardinal of Air Force with some of our new warriors kind of in the background with just a nice purple, misty, mystical looking background to it. Um, I'm we're we're now going to drop back into the real world. And I have always personally more enjoyed when our heroes go to fake a Stan <laughs> and Macho Grande and all those. Like, I don't really like the insertion of real locations and conflicts. Where are you boys at on the, should they be in Doomstad or should they go to real places for these things? It depends. We're also at Marvel, so you can go to real places. I don't know. I, I rarely find it works because it just introduces too many real world elements. And especially I feel this like book. That's always, I feel like that's always there. It's like, yeah, Captain America comes out of World War II, but it's like you got to like, well, make sure Cap doesn't do too much so that he wins the war. It's, you always have that element where it's like, well, I mean, they can't win. It, it kind of reminds me of two of, of people saying, well, why don't people just get over hating the X-Men and, and stuff like that? And I'm like, that that's never going to like you, you can't. Like well, you, there's a real world aspect there that you have to acknowledge. I'm like, that's probably not going to stop. But what do you lose by using Fakistan or any of Simkara or whatever? You know, what, what's what's the downside of using many of the Marvel Atlas places? You'd think it would be weird if it was in Doomstad and Doctor Doom and the Doombots and none of, and those guys never showed up. I wasn't using those to say put this story okay. in Doomstad. Uh, see, uh, see wanted in, what's that? Um, Whatever they Marvel has loads of fake uh, countries. Like what are those? Some of those those countries they use in Avengers that Music used to use. Like it was like some Latin American. Yeah, because in this instance, it's going to be Rwanda. And then to your point, Kevin, you're like, well, I guess the Black Panther and all those guys are like, peace out. (laughs) We're in a different part of the continent. That's like, uh, you know, America getting involved in Canada or something. I just feel like it takes me out of it a little bit when it's some very regional specific conflict. Because also this style, they choose to have a very over kind of bombastic, dramatic style to the characters. Everybody's on 11. Every statement is hyperbolic, which is fine. Like, you know, everybody's the worst and all the, like, Nova's going to go off on the media and everything. And it's fine to write in that style, but when you then place it in a real world, it comes off as a little extra, I don't know, over-the-top bang you in the head. And I feel like, well, I don't mind the -the over-the-top writing style, but if you put it in a fake place, it makes it a little more tolerable to me because you're not taking kind of a silly soap opera approach to a real problem. Didn't they go to the fake country the last time they did a story like this where it was like Transatlantica America or something like that? Or am I am I, I think or it did might they go to a, a real one. country? Or I don't remember, was it Iraq or something? I can't, but they have been involved in international 
yeah. incidents in the past. Yeah, I think there's he... also a different feeling. Like if I was reading a story about this now, because if I'm reading this story in the nineties, I'm not like really informed or keeping up with different things in the world. So a story like this, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm not. It's it's not like it's giving you real world. But like, hey, this is one hundred percent how what's going on type of thing. But but he traps himself yeah. because again he gets into the as we get along he's gonna get into the this whole um you know Syria Israel animosity business and I wonder if by going there he felt I don't know. Uh, beholden to use other real locations as well rather than somehow demean the point he was trying to make or the attention he was trying to make on that conflict by sticking it in the mineral of a fairyland you know yeah i I guess i I just wonder if you have a book that's about changing the world (laughs) and then you only have them go to fake places and help like fake people not that these are real people, like this is a story on paper, but you want to have some real world that like they're actually changing the world. But it feels like they're leveraging real deaths in a very fake scenario. Yep. Like you say, these are fake, like people really died in these things and to make kind yeah. of fake stories with genetic mutant monsters and everything seems in some way arguably especially like i said when they're doing it in a bombastic way like if he had a very nuanced superhero story which i'm not sure fits (laughs) i don't think superheroes are well suited to those that's why i think as a metaphor it's better the more abstract it is and uh you know i like superman of world war ii it would be over in a second like what yeah you gotta have such a weird convoluted approach but anyways that will be for the listeners to debate I do like do like the idea of sometimes you do some metaphor. Yes. Stuff. And that's where I think the fake yeah. country lets you metaphor it better because here we have the Air Force. You remember those guys? They're the powered flying buffoons. We saw oh. them in earlier issues. I guess I they're remember featured, one of them. I guess they're featured heavily in the Night Thrasher series, but I don't plan to find out anything. You know what they, they they push heavily in here is they're like Every issue, it's like multiple boxes are like, well, Night Thrasher is in here. Go check out Night Thrasher series. Like, I realize the series is ending soon, but wow, they're really pushing that type of series. And you know what's really annoying is these white thing from the subscription. Like, hey, subscribe to Marvel Comics. And they have that cardboard white thing just flopping in the breeze there when you open the comic. I ripped those out. I'm with you, Kevin. Those are no good. But the other issue is we're in the mid-90s, so um, Patterson decided to really go extreme with perspective and pace. <laughs> well, and because I was going to say, give Patterson a break. He's the inker. <laughs> yeah, sorry, pace and Patterson. Um, the, Patterson's doing the best he can here. He, he's the real deal. Um, so I think, it's, I think it's better if their characters were familiar with, because when you do that with unfamiliar characters... I'm not sure if they do have distorted body parts or that's the extreme artistic choice. But anyways, uh, their air force is weighing in to provide supplies to Rwandan refugees. And because it's the nineties page two features and 
unnecessary change in orientation, which almost caused me to stop reading the entire series. <laughs> Kevin, you called it. Andrew, I tweeted you this. I was just like, I wonder what you're going to feel about this again for no oh. reason. Oh, it always blows me. And then a exceedingly convoluted, for a guy that was an editor, man, he apparently feels he doesn't need any editing because there's a organization behind all this and it was unclear oh. to me i had to read this thing twice to figure out oh. the protocol company like yeah. what's their point and i still don't think i they just want to kill the refugees for some unknown reason that they never make clear they employ the air force but then the ones that fail they want to kill i'm a little it's, i don't understand it's, Aren't they it's trying to make it their world it's because of what happened over macho grande <laughs> oh steve i'll never be over <laughs> so anyways that's the they're the shadow organization pulling the strings and i do like that they have a giant submarine base that's basically like a helicarrier underwater oh yeah i had a i had a i, I read these in two days <laughs> and I had a problem going from one issue until then. At one point, I, th I think I thought when they take the submarine out of the ocean, because apparently no one's bugging them, they can just do whatever they want. I'm like, maybe you should have gave it a few more shakes. But I thought they had thrown the sub onto the shore. So when I started filling with water two days later when I read the issue, I was like, wait, weren't they on land? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, some... you might as well have thrown it on land if you can do that much with it, but they just threw it back into the water. It's like a big whale. Yeah. It's but like I the Sequest it, ship. There's a 90s reference. I think it's like a cool setting to have your evil organization. And it's a paramilitary style with some internecine warfare. But basically, the generals behind the scenes directly control the, the super-powered troops on the ground. Did and that there's confuse some sort of you? One of their guys thing. is like this obsidian guy. And I'm like... Are they not revealing his identity or his his thing? Like his face is just not there. Like his the shape of his head is there, but it's all black like a shadow. I've come to the conclusion after two issues that that is a conscious decision and not some kind of weird <laughs> printing error or whatever. But you're right; it is a little weird. I think the name is the final clue that. Yeah. Like did my did I just get a bad one off the printer or whatever? <laughs> But I, the big bad is kind of a fun, basically sort of like a distinguished competition, doomsday style, oversized mutant guy with just spikes coming off of just him. Just ridiculous. And, it's the 90s, fits, you gotta have spikes. It's yeah, ridiculous. it fits the style of the, of the art very well. But basically the new warriors are like, okay, we gotta get over there. Air Force is helping out, they're in trouble. We're going to ask... Dwayne's pilot to take us over there because she's Rocket. helped them out fast. And so she flies them over there. And they just have so many weird, unnecessary details while still telling a f sort of silly story. Like they all had to get their shots to go travel abroad. Like just well. who who cares? Like we're not <laughs> stop pretending this has any relationship to realism when it like it's so hyper fake. But anyways, they so they show up with a few supplies and get kind of chewed out for taking up real estate, even though they're delivering supplies. That's a show like the complex nature. And they and meanwhile, Sprocket needs to find 
cardinal who's was all beaten up in the battle with these new mysterious superpowered bad guys that are on behalf of the protocol those got the shadowy organizations now they have very cutesy code names oh oh wow that this this made me think of like mark gronwald or something with with like i think it even went farther than some of those cap villains where it's just like hey you're just like black and white and you're cut and dry and i was like wow wow yep these these college uh aged guys who were carpenters and became my good friends who were like the first people like the first family that moved out of my neighborhood and started renting out their house these like guys moved in and they ended up becoming my great friends which was awesome um, when i was like a teenager but they had two cats and they named them here and there so it was like oh, no. come here here and there's you know there was all that there's there and the here's there and all that um but this made what me I think find that. really funny in early 90s is some of these guys look like these mercs for the for the protocol it's like Sabretooth, but he looks like one of the wildcats which in itself is trying to be the x-men <laughs> so it's some weird amalgamation of things here art imitating art imitating art yeah (laughs) so then uh i do like there's like a almost a full double page spread of one of the new bad guys who's a a rob liefeld knockoff and i like Mm -hmm. the dramatic proportions but the problem is because he's a new character i don't know if he's gigantic right because later on when he throws a punch his fist looks huge and they make a comment about the size of his fist. So I'm like, oh, maybe that's not perspective. Maybe that's how it's supposed to be. But anyways, I think that was corn and pone, but because uh, <laughs> these guys are corn pone. But anyways, they wiped the floor with our uh, new warriors pretty handily. Dude, dude, in that two-page spread with the Liefeld character, in the the frame that his body makes is this sick picture of this chick like frying this yeah, refugee's arm and, and face like but it's uh the way that it's rendered and inked so that her hands look like they're also all burned up like oh man it's sick looking and i gotta also say since we as we passed over it when cardinal returns from the battle all wounded and flops down on the ground Another panel that's wonderfully inked. The lines flowing up from his rear to like his knee and like all the noodling around his kneecap and stuff. And it's just a really well-inked panel. And I'm a real sucker for when someone takes the time to draw in the seams on gloves. Always looks cool, like on the fingers and stuff. It's and I did time. I like the final, I thought also well rendered was the final battle with uh, Namorita slash Chimera. She fights the Rob Liefeld guy and she has a pretty cool like <laughs> crouching pose. And then he, you only see it, his face. And then you see what appear to be sword sounds, which make it sound like he has cut her up. But you find in the next issue, that was a weird fake out. Yeah. It didn't have a lot of continuity. And then I'm also kind of disappointed guys. Okay. Um, I find out that Marvel had the Prince Valiant license, which is so right. cool. Steve, that, how could yes. you not tell me that 
there's the issue where Prince Valiant joins the Avengers. He gets a lightsaber and fights Conan with a lightsaber. You know that's out there, Steve. I don't. E- I don't ever remember them having <laughs> Prince Valiant. Yeah, but I saw it too, and I was like, huh. <laughs> yeah, I remember reading. That was one of the things when I brought up. I'm like, we got to talk about the ads and the bullpen Boltons. I was like, totally. Yeah, I mean, looking that's at that a... Prince Valiant. The other thing I wanted to ask you was this: this Reggie Brooks from the game day '94 NFL cards. Did he amount to anything? Yeah, he was good. Oh, okay, definitely. Yeah, I'm, I I vaguely remember him, but I wasn't they a were, big fan of Washington. They were so. like they were a Super Bowl team around that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah they I were they were they were beating Buffalo in the Super Bowl that year, unless it was Dallas. Because I do, I did, um, and back then, I swear they changed the formula, but I used to think Cookie Crisp was a good cereal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the, the I chocolate. totally would have bought it for those trading. There's like so everything had trading comics cards. and stuff you can get in cereals around yeah. this time. That so Reggie awesome. Brooks game day card that you're talking about, though, those cards, um, those were weird cards because they were landscape. So, oh. so the, um, but they were tall. Right, huh. like like your phone, like a like a Snapchat or a TikTok video kind of thing, which was odd. So they were landscape, but they weren't widescreen. Like it was uh, the um, pages for the binder, like the plastic pages to put them in, would hold only six cards instead of the nine. I had a few packs of them, and I think Star they put out a Star Wars set and a couple other uh, types of cards in that dimension because. Um, it was a little bit of a uh, fad at that time. They didn't put out any in Marvel Vision or anything. <laughs> no, but I think there was. I think it was a something Vision when they okay. they when they had the Star Wars <laughs> ones. <laughs> I do like it's all movies, video games, like you say, products that tie in to yep. pimples to Marvel trade in pimple, pimple popping. Teenagers. Oh, I'm still frosty at that nine fifty for the digital peanut butter spider-man watch and i'm like I, I, like a rip they, off. I like that they're selling you the sweets and the pimple cream after yeah. the afterwards <laughs> it's like well you know you got to put those ads in the right order though steve so you get people to do it but it's a lot of uh video games that i have no awareness of whatsoever again yeah. that's a bit of a black i know hole. there's one that i i i wanted like i should have uh, played but you know i mean sometimes you were renting all these video games, so it's like sometimes you didn't get uh, exactly what you wanted to play. Is um, this the Wolverine Adamantian Rage, Kevin, you're talking about? I want to play the Batman the animated series. Yeah. This, uh, it was a little early to have a letters page on the like fifth or sixth page of the book, though, didn't you think? That was really weird. Like, how often has that happened? I don't I, remember that. I think it's got to be because of. They had it set up before the issue, and they needed the page turn for the two-page um, Santa Claus ad that mm. that was on the yeah. on the subsequent right-facing pages. So they knew they had to have something on that backside. It's the '90s, so you don't know when you can count on a double-page spread or not happening from the artist. So they probably it's year, yeah, it's years later that I think it's Matt Fraction or someone like that is like he's talking about learning to write comics and everything and then he's like well you got to count the pages because you know when you know when the ads are going to come in and i was like what (laughs) 
And they, I thought uh, it was because they were really selling that Nova and Night Thrasher series hard. <laughs> and they really want to get that in the front of the book. And what's funny know. is uh, American Red Cross numbers at the bottom for Rwandan refugees. So I guess yeah. there's that uh, Skolnick must have been a, um, uh, uh, you know, a, have a lot of international concerns. Let's put it that way. You, you know what I find is hilarious? You get to the last page reveal of, of this big dude that's part of protocol. Head in protocol, maybe. How does his heart pump blood through that body? <laughs> but I'm like, so he, so his hand is placed strategically because he's naked. And then the next issue, I'm like, no, he's just naked all the time. There's just He just doesn't wear clothes. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't have uh... naughty bits. He's evolved yeah. past close, Kevin. Because if he had naughty bits that were in proportion with the rest of his body, you'd be seeing it past the hand. Probably, I'm yeah. just saying. Yeah. Uh, that's a muscle apparently he couldn't work out unlike the rest of his. <laughs> it's, the rest of his body is, com- is overcompensation. Did you find it weird? Like, the, one of these, I don't remember what issue, I think it's, it's, it's a later issue, but these are approved by the comics code, but like, some of the things that that slipped in, I'm like, they Dude. approved that. The comics code was like one dude, you yeah, know, exactly. not <laughs> even not even paying attention to what was he was doing. Can you imagine you, Steve, had to read like a hundred nineties comics a day? Oh, <laughs> read like them. you, you okay, probably would have been like how they got through that guy. <laughs> that guy quit his. Well, I don't know why. We just tell people you're going to be reading comics for a living, but yet we can't keep any employees. Hey, listen, Eric Larson is cursing out God over in Savage Dragon. I got things to do. I can't be worrying about the new war. I, you know, give me a book that. What was the circulation on this title again? <laughs> I think I'll focus on Spider Man. <laughs> uh... I mean, I find, do find it funny when they when they enter. Maybe I should save this for the end. I don't know. I don't know if we'll get around. Maybe I won't feel like talking about it then. But they mentioned about compromising the title and everything with the Spider-Man group and all that. Well. And I'm like, yeah, they're going to totally compromise this title, at least to some degree. Well, it had to go somewhere because they familyed out the whole, you know, they parsed off the whole Marvel Universe and it had to go to one of the offices. So it was either going to be the Avengers office and Tom Brevoort had been the editor on this book and he was obviously looking to get rid of it yeah um to one of the other offices and uh what are you gonna put it with what the horror stuff and dr strange uh the midnight I mean, logically Suns? i think the x X-Men? but i don't think it had the sales to join that group if i had to guess yeah and, and the thing is like it's it's funny they 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 say it's gonna be fine and I'm like Spider Man's gonna be fine if you got to choose from Spider Man and New Warriors, uh, Spider Man's more popular. Like he's totally fine. They're not gonna do anything to him. Besides, it's the mid '90s. You definitely want to join the Spider Man family. They have this cool event that's happening. Yeah. <laughs> About clones. I hear it's really fun. No, yeah, I don't once... know how we're gonna foreshadowing we're gonna read that <laughs> when we get to it. I. I it's it's gonna have be some challenging decisions again. But uh, fifty five has a very nice uh, yeah. Pace Patterson cover, and uh, as noted, uh, Patrick Zercher joins and yeah. McKenna and McClellan, and it's just really fun. Lots of very detailed work. They're getting their 
money's worth. I don't know what they were paying per page, but it starts with Nova. The only reason he didn't get captured was he was punched so far miles away from the battlefield. I was so, wondering because they're like, oh, gather up all the new warriors. And I'm like, are his guys that incompetent? They they didn't realize there was one guy they didn't get or they were too lazy. They're like that guy went a few miles. That we don't want to. I mean, they can't I, use their their teleporter all the time. I think it was implied by having them be so directly puppeted that they don't have a lot of individual initiative. Uh, that's the implication I got that they're really yeah. like keep them on a tight leash so they don't really freelance that well. I mean, that's the downside of that kind of command control structure, especially if you're able to take it out is, you know, it's kind of like robots. Like if they don't have good orders, they're not going to execute your vision to the correct degree. I feel like there's a guy that comes from this protocol though and goes into sports layer and he's like, let me introduce you to data and analytics. <laughs> Cause they, they sort of crunch all that information. And once they have that information, then they can radio all their guys and then they know how to take everyone out right away. But if they don't have that info, they can't fight. Well, they do talk about like, oh, we need to update because they didn't know Kaimarita had been updated and all that. So it was kind of a, a a fun thing to show. Like I said, a paramilitary organization with the command structures and everything. But here we have uh, Nova in his giant mullet <laughs> and he smartly goes to think to recover the news footage and gives a, as I said, sort of over the top diatribe about how the media are a bunch of vultures and don't do any good. Although I was thinking in the last issue, the only reason they found out about this was because of the media. Guy. <laughs> but, hey, whatever. Look, Nova's he's supposed upset. to be a, he's supposed to be a hothead <laughs> and not following instructions. So anyways, meanwhile, back on the submarine base, as uh, we've indicated, either the big boss just wears like a whole bodysuit or <laughs> he is in the all together, but he hasn't got any parts. So it's non-offensive <laughs> for the kids watching. So Nova's got to call the B team, basically, so they can find what happened to the kidnapped new warriors. I will say the other thing about reading these comics is they make me feel like I'm not a fan of Marvel comics. because. <laughs> While I was able to guess, I don't ever recall reading an actual comic where Nick Fury yells, don't yield back shield, which is his catchphrase, apparently, <laughs> according to the bullpen bulletins fun page. <laughs> um, I mean, the rest of them I got, I assume you guys took that little quiz. Um, I was going to give you that page. quiz. Because I'm good with all of them makes sense. Okay, I don't really know. Argon's genes. I guess that's what Medusa yells. I don't know. But don't yield back shield. Like, really? when? What run was that? Was this the Steranko run? Was it, it couldn't have been the Howling Commandos. I mean, Ch I guess it was some Chichester. run in the 90s. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wouldn't have got all those. That's what I'm saying. Oh, really? Yeah. Would I, have asked I don't have. I've been like, I don't know. I don't have the. I don't have the print okay. copy of this issue. So okay. Uh, human. Okay. Um, do you? I'll give you the catchphrases: Imperius Rex. <laughs> yeah. Namor. Uh, Blue blazes. Uh, yeah. Um, What's his face there? Uh, in the comic himself. Shazam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's clobbering time. Right. Right. The thing. Avengers assemble. 
they're given to Cap. I sure. Mean, anybody could say it, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But anyone who's saying it is thinking of themselves as Cap at that moment. Right. I say thee nay. Hmm. I say thee Thor. Yes. Uh, Flame on. Uh huh. That would be uh, Johnny Storm. Yes. Uh, oh my stars and garters. The the beast. Yes. What the shock? <laughs> what Kevin? You must have gotten that one. The shock. Oh, I know that. One. Is that Ravage twenty ninety nine? <laughs> Spider Man twenty nine. They give you a list of them. All so right, it's Spider Man. Right, right. Somebody but from twenty ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Argon's jeans. This one I got by process what? of elimination. Argon's jeans. Uh, it's an one... inhuman. They have Medusa oh. on the list. All right. So well, like... I was going to say Black Bolt, but I guess only, you only hear it once, and then yeah, half the universe is destroyed. And then the last one is "Don't yield back shield," mm. which they attribute to Nick Fury. Sure, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just figured that's some from some '90s run that you guys love, and you're like, "Oh yeah," and he yelled that all the time. He would yeah, I, I feel like battle. that would have been in a Mary Marching Marvel <laughs> Society or like yeah, the problem 60s. Is, wasn't that when did the shield stuck because first it was the howling commando so i'm like when did shield you know you got to have shield as a thing before you can yeah, yeah but anyways that was a quiz it. yeah that i was like that seems andy doesn't know what's going on but the superhero shaped gummies snack fruits look cool but anyways that's a separate <laughs> issue they're gonna well, they have in in chips they can put in your head to take control of the new warriors Oh, I think you're still talking is, about the gummies. Oh, I, was, I was like, wow, that's geez, a strong well, gummy. about the gummies. <laughs> oh, sure. I thought they put, they put these snacks in your head. And then they mind controlled you, and then you ate the snacks. Yeah, well, yeah, you'd have to. It, it says the shapes. I'm looking at these shapes. It's Wolverine. I'm like, okay, the Blackbird. I want to eat the Blackbird. Then it storms lightning bolts and Gambit supercharged playing cards. And I'm like, who's who's choosing this stuff? Mike Tyson it's... sells gummies now that uh, are <laughs> like in the little shape of ears that he. <laughs> this is um, what I thought was funny is, OK, so they have chips they can put in your head and the scientist is like, OK, the word the only problem is we're not sure about Namorita. She might be the problem one. Namorita is the only one they put it in. I'm like, Why would you start? with the with the one that might not work like maybe start with the one that's definitely gonna work <laughs> but there's some more fighting between obsidian and the big bad who and he's like you're a buffoon and they you know it's that kind of meant to demonstrate a sophistication that i felt was not part of the thing um you know the fact that, oh the bad guy squabble i didn't really care if you boys want to discuss the implications of protocols command structure fighting you can it seems like he has incompetent people working underneath him and he's a eunuch well they were able to slaughter a bunch of helpless refugees and the air force so i mean is is that really something you want to put on your resume like <laughs> defeated weak hungry people like I, like it's not gonna and the air force kevin Give them credit. I mean, oh, the right. Air Force yeah, was yeah, okay. working for sometimes. Them right sometimes you just need a win. You know, yeah. you need a win I mean, on, on the old scorecard. So you start with refugees and you work your way up to like you know, superheroes. So, um, 
Cardinal and Sprocket have some history that's suggested in the Night Thrasher series. Again, um, I don't plan on reading that, Gosh. so I'll just take the editor's notes for it, unless you guys read that series. Missing so much context because of it, though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I feel like there's a whole Agents of Atlas thing going on there where they're going around and rounding up all these companies and these people that th- that they used to deal with or they're dealing with or there's sort of how Andy intercompany battles and we're missing all the cool I, stuff. I feel like that's where the real story is. Oh, is this how I end up buying like Did that become the main book? Issues? Did that did the Night Thrasher become the main book in this book? I'm just kidding. No, no, Night Thrasher craps out too. Yeah. And it doesn't I think last. it lasts longer than Nova. Maybe I buy a few issues because yeah. I started it a few issues early. Yeah, yeah. It it does end up running. A Night Thrasher runs out after twenty one issues. I think Nova's eighteen issues, something yeah. like that. So oh, we're gonna get forced into reading that. Are we though? Uh, anyway, so the whole po- so Cardinal wants to join them, but they're frosty because you know they're enemies, but the enemy of my enemy. And Cardinal wants to rescue his people, so you know that temporary um, alliance. So they're gonna have to take the data from the news crew and use quote unquote hindsight lad, aka Carlton, who is sort of the brains, but he's not really. I, I don't know what to do with that character. I, I'm glad they ditch his outfit after this one. Because it's like a bicycle helmet with rear view mirrors on it. And it yeah, just looks well, like four brush man. Yeah. In a real yeah. team. It doesn't, it never really fit. I get they want comic relief, but it seems tonally not to fit a book about murdering refugees with like the hijinks of the buffoon. <laughs> I like how he's programming a video game here. Yes. That runs out of memory at the wrong time. And, anyways. Then we go to Super Steve's favorite hero, who we covered on a previous issue of issue an episode of Marvel Noise in Deep Depth, the Torpedo. Yes. But this is when Torpedo is having a two people, the woman who's really good at the team, Mickey, who's really good at it, and then the guy who's not really yeah. good at it. No, the torpedo died a long time ago. The dire wraiths just killed them. Like off panel, dead, and <laughs> Rom, you know, Rom comes back. He thinks he's teaming up with the torpedo, but no, he, Brock, poor Brock, moved there with his family and just died a horrible death trying to protect his town from the dire wraths. So this isn't the torpedo you have such fun. No, this is the this is the uh, <laughs> legacy uh, of the character. But anyways, um, so there, so she need because like I said. They have such a huge team, they're calling out the B team. But they make careful note to note that Cloak and um, uh, your favorite guy, Kevin, Darkhawk, yeah, uh, Nighthawk, uh, Batman, wondering, whatever his name He's probably canceled by this point, right? Yeah, he's busy. And meanwhile, uh, the power pack is being aged up in the sense that the eldest power steals his sibling's power so he can have more adult adventures with the new warriors yeah who are I like mean, 40 year old rough, teenagers that's yeah. his, that's his move for a while yeah. yeah it seems to change the tone of those yeah pleasant power pack comics we all loved but well i i wasn't really that familiar with power pack so you know oh, well that i loved and kevin was neutral on i mean Steve it's weird when you introduce elements like that because i just know them from vaguely from other places but i'm like i never read the book just know them from that 
aborted TV pilot that's on YouTube. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, comic book Probably confession. Some Marvel cards too. Comic book confession. I read the first few issues of Power Pack and everything, but then dropped it. Oh, so well, I'm the only some... Power Pack fan on the show. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I I got the concept and everything, but it would you know the alien horse headed alien benefactor thing. Yeah, that part was not good. Fighting the snarks and whatever, and it was just uh, I don't know. Well, you know me. Origins are usually, for me, the least interesting part. I want to get right. into what makes them tick. <laughs> yeah, no, but anyway, I, so... I like when they were all in other books, but... So, Carlton... There, there was probably some issue of uh, Power Pack. It was probably some public service thing about don't do drugs or something. Power Pack was there? I'm sure they had those, like, stranger danger ones, I bet. For yeah, because sure. I that think they're a little too young for drug temptation. Oh, maybe. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, basically, Carlton is able to reverse engineer and notices the signals and re-engineer and tech speak, blah blah blah. Computer hacking button zero zero one. He finds a way to let them track through Nova's helmet receiver to find the bad guys. Basically, that's all you need to know. He does some reverse engineering, and now so now they have torpedo, Alex who, you know, has stolen powers. And it's funny how these characters go on to have other lives, you know, like he's going to go with the future foundation and all that stuff. But now he's angsty wearing a terrible 90s outfit, like the leather <laughs> jacket thing and the pants. So they go find the big submarine. And as Kevin says, due to some ambiguity, Nova <laughs> and Alex Power, they throw it down into the water Kevin thinks it's the land. I can see that. I just think it's so funny that they don't know what's going on. They've probably murdered tons of the people. Also, if right now the new warriors are being having chips implanted in their brain and suddenly <laughs> the ship is smashed into the ground, uh, so, I don't think they're surviving that surgery. Um, so, so Nova can go to this submarine. The submarine doesn't detect anything coming towards them. Well, they he's just a little up. person. They have not... no defensive capabilities. Why would it pick up like something the size of a person? Like, yeah, because Namor's because they got Namor's cousin trapped in there, and maybe they didn't update the records that much, Steve. I don't know the <laughs> right. answer. And uh, and then Alex disables the gravity so he can lift it high up and smash it down, like, and then tears into them. With uh, the whole exclamation points and all that other stuff oh, with little marks to indicate bad language. And then as appropriate, now we have the letters page at the end. And it's only fair. I mean, should we ask Kevin if this Mario Lemieux went on to anything in hockey, Steve? <laughs> oh, jeez. Who? <laughs> exactly. You think he's valuable now? Wait 20 years. Yeah, I guess they were right. And that leads us back to number 57. Wait, no, 56. Sorry, I have my comics in the wrong order. Nice which try. is Namorita in a much improved costume, can I say. You know I don't uh, like her outfit. That mismatched thing that looks like she just threw on a bunch of garbage out of a closet. Like now she's in kind of a Black Widow bodysuit with, and she's a drowning Nova and about to like slash him with her claws. Yeah, that's pretty good. So could you name all these guys on this Wolverine animantium range? Video like, game? 
Are, are these all the villains from that video game? Well, my eyes are not good enough to even read those. <laughs> uh, so if I look, turn what, on, what is that? Let me get that... a magnifying glass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. I wish I was joking, kids. Um, don't get old. It's awful for your eyes. Okay. Uh, well, the top one might. Is that the Wendigo, maybe? Maybe. The next, we know her, the lady with the long claws. Oh, Lady Deathstrike. This oh, looks no, wait, like is she some... on the other side, too? Maybe they're maybe they're repeated, because she looks like the second. I think so. Okay, Strife is there. We know him. This seems like a pretty good lineup of guys. Cyber yeah, looks is like there. The, looks like Batman is here, too. <laughs> I think that's Thomas Wayne. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the Flashpoint Batman. That makes a yeah. lot more sense. <laughs> Sabretooth. Shiva. It does look like there were so many 90s Marvel video games. Yes. There were. Mr. Sinister is there. They were fun. Well, um, I mean, you can look up some of these games, like the Silver Surfer game on YouTube. Like, that is an incredibly hard game. I like that game. Never played. Well, I was out of the loop, boys. I don't know if you can go back and replay these games. Maybe I should. On the Sega, there was a great, um, the Sega Genesis, there was a great Tick video game. Ooh. Where he's standing on top of a bus, I think, going through town, and he's fighting all the different guys. It was very fun. Uh, Here we have... Fifty-six, along with the great color, uh, Patterson returns to Ink Searcher this time. Yay! It's a lot of fun, and this is a great—you know—it's the big fight in the submarine, and this time uh, the new warriors, well, plus Cardinal, have the jump on them, and That's so we sure. get to see some exciting action of them just tearing into them. And this also has two of the backup ones who aren't backup, and you know they're thrown into disarray. They're normally used to calling the shots, but the tables have been turned. And then what could be the most 90 thing of all, two back-to-back double-page spread ads. <laughs> <laughs> what is with that? <laughs> Someone's making their money that, that quarter. But basically, everybody's Nova and Cardinal are looking for the respective people. But Cardinal is just, you know, killing the people when he questions them if they don't immediately answer. Of course. And that shows he's bad. And then we see... That's so Cardinal. The, the heroes tricking out like wet dry back gets tricked and stuck into water. So she absorbs all the water. <laughs> and uh, meanwhile, our big bad guy decides to use the last of his teleportation juice. And he's going to teleport out the brainwash new warriors and blow up the sub. And I he feels like too some... many of his people are incompetent. Yeah. And whoever doesn't make it, it's their problem when he gets down to the new warriors he's found out only one has been prepped named the hard one <laughs> named marita you know he's engaged this plan what like not even you know maybe a day where he's kidnapped these super powered uh characters and whatnot and within a day, he's already, like, it's already coming all down around him, and, like, he's got abandoned ship, and he's losing his whole headquarters. Like, this wasn't well thought out. No, 
it's a failed plan. Um, but he did, they were able to trigger Namorita's brain chemical for the only time. Like, it's not going to work later in further issues that well. But in this one, it works for her to beat up Nova. And I hmm. kind of get it. Even though they're sort of dating, he's kind of annoying. Yeah. So I mean, that that's one of those... I don't know, is this the same time? No, this must be before. This is I feel like this is one of those classic things where it's just kind of sad. It's it's sort of like when you when you in a few years you'll be watching like Buffy and Angel and when <laughs> Buffy has to fight Angel, you're just like it's just so <laughs> gripping and you're just like, Oh man, yeah, that is that is so traumatic. Yeah. But I do like the black bodysuit look. I know Kevin doesn't. I like it. I like that he cut out holes for her ankle wings, though, clearly. <laughs> and she still has earrings. Like, it's just a cool, I like, look. But So they're going to fight. Meanwhile, Cardinal's like, oh, I'm taking on Doomsday from D.C. here. But obviously he's going to lose. Yeah. So that means that Nova has to rescue him and let Doomsday go. He's got to do everything. Yeah. Well, his his armor was already like had kind of imperfections in it, and it was dinged up anyways. Well, he's not that good. Let's we can be honest. I mean, let all the Cardinal fans protest the show. Oh, uh, X Men prepaid phone cards. Yeah, I forgot all about phone cards till I'm reading <laughs> these nineties. Right. But are are the minutes still good? <laughs> can I still use these here? Um. Yeah, so basically he does rescue him, but you know the thing blows up. Boom! It's, isn't it because he triggered the teleport to blow up? The sequence though, it's like he's gonna teleport away, but Nova doesn't know that he's teleporting a, a like he's too busy with Cardinal that he thinks that everyone just blew up in the in the sub. Well, he's gonna do some real half-assed off-panel searching for Namorita. So. Yeah. I mean, real hat, like, yeah, like uh, OJ looking for the real killer type of searching. <laughs> that, uh, but, um, you know, he does his anguished, oh, my God, they fridged my girlfriend moment. And then they all fly back on the plane. And then he gives a speech like, I'm going to, uh, nobody can get my woman. I'm going to get her Even back. If... But he, spoiler, he's not in the next few issues, so. You, you forgot the epilogue where, where uh, or maybe that was on purpose, where they, they solved the refugee crisis. Nice. They must have called the hot the American Red Cross hotline from the previous issue. I think so. Also, protocol wasn't there gunning everyone down anymore. That I'm sure some people still got gunned down by, by other people, but not, not because of that, because of protocol. And then... Uh... 57 features a cover with uh, Namor versus the New Warriors. And what's hope, hopefully going forward, our new art team of Zercher and Patterson. Skull yeah. still writing. And a really cool inside cover ad. For yeah, the this is when or... the cards start to get too expensive. Oh, look at Kevin. He's fine with me spending up to $3 an issue for these things, but... Suddenly, what some cards. Spending, are... I must have been spending. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm not spending three dollars yet, but it's getting close. It's like on the cover; these are uh, two dollars and five cents Canadian. Yeah. 
So basically, there is a lot of manufactured drama between Nova and Night Thrasher, and he's like, either he goes or I goes. And everybody except for the Urban Avenger <laughs> crosses over with Nova, which is funny because they're using Night Thrasher's resources, and maybe that would be useful to track down Namorita. Maybe. He doesn't really care that much about her. He just likes to make a big show of it. I like, I like how they do this whole thing, though, because they, yeah. they do that, like, first issue bit. Right. Where Nova's holding Night Thrasher. Over the edge of the, the building. The ledge of the building there. Yep. Just the way Night Thrasher held Richard Ryder, who had lost his powers way yeah. back at the end of the Nova series that we covered, right? He hadn't had his powers in, you know, more than 10 years here. And then all of a sudden, Night Thrasher's throwing him off a roof. Just counting on, hoping that I mean, he's it's not like Night Thrasher's cosmically aware and was tuned into the whole thing. It was that was a real long shot hunch, and now Nova gets to at least suggest that he's maybe he'll just do the same thing here. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of like that whole Xavier recruiting recruiting kids things. Like, oh, we're here as as weapons, and this is why you recruited us. And I like that whole sequence where. Like Nova's like, well, I'm going to leave this whole team. I don't want Night Thrasher here. He's never here. He hasn't been here for a lot of issues. But maybe he has important stuff in his book that he, that if we read that book, we'd be like, oh, Night Thrasher was busy, had all the serious stuff and he's got, he needed to deal with. He's got his own book to do stuff, so it makes yeah. sense for them to split up. Like, it's not like, like he's the, been here anyway. Like, he's not like Wolverine. He can't be two places in the same, you know. I, but I like that whole sequence where they where they show like two people on one side and then yeah. slowly people are like walking over to the other side. Yep. But I mean, he shows Dwayne shows he's a real nice guy by letting him stay in his facilities and use his money. And I just thought it was like bad time. Like, why don't you see if he can reform by finding the person you supposedly care about? But no, it's more important that I make some weird stand and kick him out of the group than. He's a person. It's weird that the divide was a white black thing too. Like they yeah. they had no room to mix it up a little bit. Whoops. I mean, I was much sadder when we that we lost Namorita than if we lose Night Thrasher, although I do like Night Thrasher. Yeah, I mean I really feel like the skateboard is an underutilized tool for fighting <laughs> crime. That they, you know, we need to do. But yeah, I don't feel like it's as much. The one I don't like is I feel like Rage goes through the series of some awful costumes. <laughs> this one where this he's is wearing a good one. This is the the hockey helmet with the arrow on it is the good one. Because now he's back to like that original like luchador wrestler outfit or whatever. I'm like, what? go back to the '90s one. <laughs> yeah, this one I. Don't lie. It's a weird, and then it has like a torn cape around like a mane, kind of. I don't. But uh, different strokes for different folks. And then we get back to the offset of by Alex stealing his siblings' powers. That's creating some bad feelings. So is this that Peter is... Pan, Creamy, Peanut Butter still around? <laughs> oh, yes, I'm it's... so eager. Can you believe 950? For a digital watch in 1994 or <laughs> five. Like that thing costs 25 cents. They just jam you this. Now there's a Kool-Aid promotion later on, 
<laughs> that it's like 12 issues for like two bucks. And I'm like, that's a real deal. But this Peter Pan, they're just gouging you people. Do not get their cheap digital watch. You can get, you can buy that thing probably for five bucks somewhere without having to eat their terrible peanut butter. But the rest of the new warriors are basically like, hey, you know, we should tell Namorita's cousin Namor because he's a very popular Marvel character and we could use a high profile guest series where we'll originally fight and then we'll stop fighting. And they're like, that makes a lot of sense. He's at the end of his ongoing series run too. So they'll be like, perfect. We could use a nice hero against hero fight. Yeah. And some high profile guest star. Do you remember when the Thunderbolts did their whole thing and then Hercules showed up to, to settle a grudge? Yeah, this is the whole, the heroes have, in this case, it's because Namor's like, you fools, you couldn't protect my cousin, and you just gave yeah. up. Yep. And they're like, we'll show you, we'll beat you up. How many times? And it's a fun fight, but, eh. How many times there's, did they there's... show that sequence of Namorita being slung over the guy's shoulder, and they disappear, and the, the sphincter closes? <laughs> yeah. It's like the fourth time we've seen it. I mean, it's a very cool fight scene. Don't get me wrong. Like, I like the fight scene, but the motivations behind it are, are thin, even by Marvel standards. And I think I asked it... you guys this before. Like, none of you ever did the get yourself put inside the X-Men Captain Universe comic, did you? Where you send away <laughs> and you can be part of the comic book. That's not the way to call the Enigma Force. You needed to be <laughs> true of heart. Not no, I think you needed postcard. to send fourteen ninety five plus three dollars shipping and handling. <laughs> One more thing it, about it, the the sequence with the sphincter thing closing and Namor to go into it and everything. Namor's all mad. How could you let this happen to her? This is the problem. Um, they went into the sphincter with, but so did a whole bunch of other characters in that scene, and that isn't where she was lost. She was lost when the ship blew up. Right? Yeah, like how come that's video of that. how come that's not the thing he's mad about? Well, they don't have a, he's a like, video camera. He's like, that. by Neptune's trident, how could you let this happen to her? And then I'm thinking, gee, you should see what happened to her after. <laughs> I like how he says, what are you going to ha- do, have a baby tantrum? Uh, I do like, like, Torpedo gets in, or, uh, gets in a great shot on him, and, you know, Firestar can dehydrate him, and it's a good, it's, it is a fun battle. It yeah. just is so silly. That, like, Nova has to fight and then give some crazy mullet-based speech about how he's going to not stop looking for her, except he's going to stop looking for her. But, you know, he chased off the one guy with the resource to chase her, to find her, so. On this issue, it's because, uh, this issue isn't mint. I took it out of the package, and I don't know, it's, it's it's not holding up so well. Well, what about your copy of Black Wolf number 10, Kevin? Is that him meant? <laughs> that's one of those things, every time I see that, I'm like, is that a thing? I don't think I've ever seen that book. And there must be at least 100,000 copies out there. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't think that, but I'm not, you know, I might have flipped over thousands of them for all I know. You know, I don't follow it. So, but yeah, it's... It is very, like, the name alone speaks volumes. But now we're going to get to more, what just what comics need, a ham-fisted approach to real-world politics. 
You know, the funny thing is, you were talking about the real-world politics with, with the previous four issues, but I, I feel like that was prime New Warrior stuff, and I enjoyed that. And I'm, and and going to Africa, that seemed way more entertaining, in quotes, rather than these next two issues. Well, we got to do them. They're in the list. So I know. We're going to head to 58 which features, like I said, they've forgotten about Namorita. So, you know, who needs her? But we're going to uh, feature a character. I don't think I've seen her since Contest of Champions. Yeah, right. Sabra. Yep. Sabra? Yep. She was, she was in uh, some Hulk issues, too. Yeah. Um, And it might be somewhere else that I'm thinking. But no, she, she was definitely sparsely used, but made her first appearance in Contest of Champions. Yeah. Yeah, that's where I think of her from. And this, we have our regular team, plus uh, Baltimore uh, Comic-Con mainstay, Andrew Peepoy, also inking along with right. Patterson. Yep. And, and this creates, they have a peace summit, and the Israeli prime minister, who is actually the, is you know, it's weird. I also didn't know uh, if we should... Like, if you have the real things, do we use the real characters? It's Zach Rabine. Like, that's the, that was the real prime minister. Like, I don't know, in 1995 yeah. or whatever, who was the prime. But I'm like, you're using real countries and real names. Okay, we're really going full. Um, Nixon is the hate monger or whatever. So, so which one is more distracting, not having the real person or having the real person? Because that's going to throw you either way. Uh, yeah, I think not having would, but I, I want fake a stand anyways. But anyways, the he gets attacked by generic '90s bad guys with armor, yeah. with floating platforms and armored bodies. I did not poaches. recognize these guys. Did you guys? Are they so? No. no. Whatever. Oh yeah, these guys were the arch enemies of Force Works or whatever. Or but anyways, or maybe the, uh, maybe um, was it Code Blue? Maybe Code Blue fought these guys. But our stripped-down New Warriors team gets embarrassed by these knockoffs. And they should I was be. wondering, you have an important peace summit, and you're like, hey, why don't we just hire the New Warriors? But then they sort of tell you why later on. Yeah, but they still, wanted I'm Captain America. Like, uh, but... How important is this peace summit if you're getting the New Warriors? Not very. And I'm like, why is Cap recommending these losers? Like, <laughs> well, good thing have... Sabra's there, because she handles yeah, things. Yeah, she cleans. She wipes the floor with the bad guy, saves the prime minister, makes the uh, new warriors look like buffoons. Yeah. And I did not know. Now, I never don't think I ever had these. I thought Drake's Cakes is a like hostess style <laughs> prepackaged snack cake company. I thought they were regional, but they have a full page ad for their mini comic inserts. I'm like, the, dang. The yep. Daredevil must eat the devil dogs, right? Plus, yeah. I'm like. How to draw comics from some third party with a Stan Lee endorsement ad well, right in the middle of a Marvel comic. That's it's some... even funnier next issue, I think, because this one's how to draw comics. And the next one in the series is how to be a comics pro. Yeah. So do you <laughs> want to know how to draw comics or to be a comics pro? And I think one of them has the tagline about secrets of the comic industry. I'm like, I wonder if they reprinted Stan's like <laughs> 1945 book on it or whatever, but. 
Yeah, basically, we find always, out... Here's one of the secrets of uh, comic publishing, is always include a text piece so that you can <laughs> mail the subscriptions out uh, as a... Save on the postal rates. <laughs> yes, that's right. Uh, yeah, Find good artists, I think, would be another key one. But basically, we very nebulously find out that Sabra has been had uh, like been brainwashed through some yep. mysterious means, but they keep it so vague that I, I guess they needed an excuse. It was weird. Like she's being operated on. Like that's a pretty substantial, like she must've gotten kidnapped by someone better than the new warriors. I was going to say, was it in the sub? Uh, this just <laughs> happened to name Marita last issue. I was just going to say, was it protocol? Because there is a subplot for them here. And I'm like, wow, I thought they never showed up again. A subplot? Hey, that's pretty good. I know. Oh, that is good. Nice. (laughs) So the uh, Batal is a Syrian super agent. Not familiar with this guy. Maybe he was also in the Contest of Champions. Yeah, no. Unless he was way Uh, in the back. He is very 90s, like giant oversized gun, pouches, the whole thing. Meanwhile, you know, in the mysterious backup protocol base, which is in what appears to be the butthole of a rock, (laughs) they're experimenting on Namorita, and the little scientist weasel is like, we can't get her secrets without breaking her. Although it was strangely easy to get her to punch Nova in the face. <laughs> he's very punchable. And he's like, do what you can. I don't care if you break her. Her friends don't care about her. I must know the secret identity of the new warriors because we could have Namorita as a destruction machine or I could get that Carlton kid and make him the one. So I lose Namorita. It's all worth it if I get the guy with the skateboard. Like he's a... Like, you already have the most powerful, one of the most, why are you, anyways, he wants I the rest of I hope we get a, a sequel to that poison memory story where someone, their identities go out and the supervillains come after them again, but I don't remember that happening. So, a lot of heavy-handed about which side is good and bad in the peace negotiations. Ugh. I'm going to gloss Just what I want it. from my comics. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to read it you know, knock yourself out a long list. You can see now they're putting, um, you know, this is part of the Spider-Man family because yep. the list of titles is Spider-Man, 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 New Warriors, Nova, Night Thrasher. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the last, it's 21. It's the end of Night Thrasher and one more issue or two of those. So basically can... at this point, uh, you can tell from the subscription page, too, that you can't subscribe to every title anymore. Yeah, and so they go in to the peace negotiation. Sabra gets triggered and sucker punches in a brutal panel from behind our uh, Syrian super agent and then fires her porcupine quills. And that's when the new warriors have to step in. But we already see that they're no match for her. So it ends with a... Uh-oh. Bum, bum, bum. Yep. So she's basically on a power level par with uh, Porcupine. That supervillain, remember him? <laughs> Porcupine and, like, uh, Ms. Mar- well, Captain Marvel now. Yeah. Ms. Marvel then. And Zercher 
Uh, still not pencils, but a new uh, inker team, De La Rosa Sever and Sever. Hmm. The next hmm. one for 59, which has a very cool close-up cover of Porcupine Man attacking Justice. Yeah, the cover is still Patterson, and it's sharp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With all the porcupine needles. So, uh, New Warriors do a rope-a-dope to get Sabra out of there and after the Prime Minister because they can't fight her in that room without killing everybody. Which is a clever bit of rope-a-dope. And oh, then they every go time after I, her. Every time I see the quills go in, I'm reminded when I was in uh, high school on two different years, I took uh, a week-long spring break uh rock climbing trips camping and rock climbing trips out to joshua tree national monument out by you andrew uh with my dad and his climbing friends and one of the times we were going to this place this uh it was called the bighorn mating grotto it was this um it was almost set up like a volcano where you had to come up over a ridge and then descend into this space that had all vegetation and you climbed on the inside walls and later you climbed your way out of there and the way down into it was this very steep so steep that you kind of wanted to almost be sliding on your butt but up to you know what i mean to have the you know the vertical where you wanted it to be so you didn't fall forward um it was very steep and blobby all the rock out there is so blobby and sanded and so i'm sliding down i'm probably like 16 years old and I slid right through uh, a, a pad of a cactus that had like the really oh. big quills and right, right, like five or six quills right in my rear end. Oh, yeah. Like that, that had sounds... to pull them out. Boink, boink, barrel. I remember it only happened once when my dog messed with the porcupine. Once you're pulling the quills out of their mouth with the pliers, yeah, 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 they decide they're not going to mess with the yeah, porcupine. Hull breach, hull breach, no more. <laughs> but I, I should, in defense of the new warriors, it is only Justice, Speedball, and Firestar. But that should be like those are three pretty powered characters, and they just get made fools of by Sabra, and Firestar's jealous of her, and Justice. Uh, I don't know. I feel like maybe Skolnick is a great writer. <laughs> I feel like some of his dialogue is really like he's trying to hit these notes and it just feels like it's some he read Stanley's like how to be a comic pro or whatever. You know, have the banter between the characters, but it doesn't always render. You could, that being said, you could only yeah, order I, I, that book last issue, though. So he hasn't even gotten <laughs> that book in the mail yet. So he's still working. I feel like this one's a little more off than the other issues. But I love the fight scenes are totally bombastic and over sure. the top, and they do great. Yeah. Like she gets knocked in the water and comes out splashing, and Speedball has all his Speedball energy around him and everything. But like I said, they get beat up pretty good. Side tangent to a time travel character. You know, to- I saw this. And I haven't thought about this character in years. And I was like, wait, they're in this book already? Yeah, a little foreshadowing. I mean, because the character, uh, you can tell from the context, travels through time at random points. And she finds herself as part of 
the new warriors and this new warriors team she's with is our regular torpedo speedball appears to be alex powers from near as i can tell firestar justice carlton slash hindsight lad and kevin is that peter parker there the real peter parker oh boy it's uh run away run away <laughs> is he the real one or is the other one the real one? Um, I I think I think this is the this is supposed to be the real one at this point. Who's this girl? Is it America Chavez? Time slip. Okay, but she doesn't have her super name. You know, she's this is her. I guess is this her first appearance, Kevin? Whoa, is this issue worth a so. million dollars? Unless they appeared in some weird series before this like a marvel comps presents or something is she a this might be their first appearance why do you keep saying they oh i don't know just because we uh, haven't been introduced yet oh yeah yeah i don't know the character's prop because she's not a superhero at this point she's just this uh you know college kid who slips into it and i thought it was kind of clever on the other hand it's a bit of a spoiler because you know oh, this character is going to show up again. But on the other hand, you're like, that's pretty cool. And I'm like, oh, maybe that's why these issues are criminally expensive. Because when she gets her own movie, Kevin, suddenly these are going to be worth a lot of money, right? You Mr. better first make sure, sure that about first appearances, though. Yeah, but can't we just say it? I thought that's how that worked. We just say oh, it's the first oh, appearance. Oh, jeez, <laughs> did I just, just tip them off? <laughs> Yeah, like we just say, oh, it's the first appearance. And then, yeah, I believe that's how that works. Yeah, I mean, or do you want to tell them it's the previews from three months earlier? Uh, well, well, we'll do we'll do the thing like Wolverine and Gambit and and uh, Weapon H and all that stuff. Or like, do they talk? <laughs> do they appear in multiple panels or pages? Do they introduce themselves? I think that I, <laughs> I think those are the Oh, and are they on the cover? Because if they're on the cover in a dynamic shot, someone might prefer that issue. Oh, yeah. Over She's this. not on the cover. Sadly, not on the cover. But she is the in Pun costume. The Punisher doesn't appear in this comic. <laughs> <laughs> so, but they have fun, like, tearing up everyone's costume. And finally, Justice um, reminds her of her son who died, who was killed by reciting a prayer and that snaps her out of her thing. But like I said, like you get for this Kool-Aid redemption, like <laughs> it's pretty cheap, like three comic books for a dollar 80. But these don't look hurts. like regular mini comics. Like they wrote specifically for Kool-Aid. These look like no. actual issues. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're just overstock. They just send yeah. you three issues for a dollar 80, like better than that dumb Spider-Man ripoff. So, Sabra, once it's broken, she voluntarily turns herself into coverage, and she's like, I'm going to find out who brainwashed me. And by this time, Torpedo shows up to help and point out that, you know, oh, there's trouble, trouble at the mill. Well, we found out that the headquarters is a wreck. Yeah. We don't know why. So uh, we have to go read uh, Nova 18 or Nova 1 to 18. Uh, uh, no, no we don't i see you trying to jet what's weird is they're going to continue this into what's the last issue of the series which look 
they already canceled this thing. We don't need to tie people back. Uh, isn't it a fine tradition for Nova to have your story not end in the last issue yeah. and have to c- conclude the story in a different title? Seems to be. But no, yeah, I never some... read Nova 18. Like, I don't know. Or probably, probably like wasn't available or whatever. So I never read that. I just went right to New Warriors 60. All right. Now we're going to have to read it because that's a pretty good reason to. I think so. Well, we can debate this off air, but there we go. We're up. We're up. We're up to six now. Like I said, starting at 61, we made we'll it. still have to do 60, but starting at 61, we have a run of these on the Unlimited, so people at home can Thanks. join. I thought they were fine. I like the art. I would not suggest, I mean, if you find them in a quarter box or something, but me personally, wait till they get uploaded to Marvel yeah. Unlimited. I don't think it's worth Thanks to More the than... thanks to the ads and stuff, we made it through. If it wasn't for the bullpen bulletins pages and the letters page, and it would have been tough. I, I don't know if I'm brain damaged by '90s comics, but I found what we have like 50, 54, 55, 56, and fifty-seven enjoyable, readable. It was cool to see Bruce Patterson's work again. Yeah, some fun fight scenes and stuff, and I don't. You know, I'm not like, oh, I wish I want to burn it out of my brain, but I can't tell people to go buy, spend real money on those issues. Even a dollar, maybe a dollar. If your Omnibus 3 ever happens, they'll end up on the Unlimited. See, the thing is that if they needed to do an Omnibus 4, after see the sales of 3, I don't know if it would happen. But since you're going based off of the sales of 2, and 2 is still part of that, period that we like better i think you, you might get actually get the three because they went up through like 53 yeah so that means they'd only have to do like 22 issues plus whatever nova 18 and a few like i think they could finish this what's a normal omnibus like 30 comics or so 30 they can push it to 40 if they want yep. yeah so they would have plenty they could wrap up this put in nova 18 a few other yeah, like they're done with annuals. There's no more annuals, so I don't know. Thank God. A Justice miniseries, maybe they could put that in there. I think sure. that they could, but that should have been in. Technically, that should have been in two if they were going to include it. But wouldn't it be right at the end of two? Yeah, but it would have been crossing with those fifty early fifties issues. Yep. I mean, I guess they could start this one with it if they wanted to, but it seems like that's uh, they'd just be doing that to pad out the series. But on the other hand. And put it on the unlimited, which is anyway. The point is, I think they could easily have an omnibus of the third volume should sales warrant it. And I guess if you can find fifty nine, it's the first appearance of time slip for whatever that's going for. I don't know. Why do I think a, uh, they showed up? And it can't be the Millennium book. But I feel like there might have been some. Oh no, maybe it was the Marvel series. There was a Marvel series called Time Slip as well, wasn't there? Late 90s? Well, there was the... First, it was a one-page feature in the first version of, like, the Marvel's uh, own, like, preview catalog. Like, they had... Oh, yeah. They had a Marvel Visions or something like that, it was called. And it was a one-page thing where they'd have some sort of artist do a... 
alternate version of a character and they'd call it like a time slip thing. It would be like a future version or whatever. And then they put out one, maybe two one shots that collected uh, all of those one page pinup things with like a facing page of text uh, with the artist explaining what he was going for or something like that. And maybe a rough or something, um, something like that, like in the late nineties. Are you sure you're not thinking of time twisters from quality comics that was reprinting a lot of the 2000 AD stuff, Kevin? I think I'm thinking of time cop. <laughs> the time Lord. <laughs> well, right. that's what, time Super to go, Steve. Any uh, <laughs> any takes on these issues you want to leave the good people with? Uh, uh, if, if if people want to follow along, uh, definitely read those Nova issues. I don't know where you're going to find those Nova issues, but uh, I found them. <laughs> I mean, they were they were in the in the cheapy bins, so yeah. After that, I think the New Warriors title is a bit of a mess because it's it's. Clone Saga. It's like part two or three or something. Yeah, those are on the digi. Super Steve, what what's your takeaway? Take me away. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. We stay tuned for more New Warriors coverage. For same reals. Marvel Noise channel. Same Marvel Noise time. I can't stop it from happening. He's tried, people. He tried. Yeah. He, he can. The Bronze Age can only save them for so long. Later. He's a sulky, over funky, kinda hunky superhero. Artificial and electrically transistered superhero. And exotically erotic and aquatic superhero. The Marvel superheroes have arrived. Superpowered from the forehead to the toes. Watch them change their very shape before you know. See arcane striking superhero change to Viking superhero. Ah, ding and real swing and shield, bling and superhero. They're the latest.